the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. Thank you for joining us today. It's it's really great. I always say it's great, but I mean it's great to have you with us today. You've got things you can do with your time, and taking half an hour to listen to this podcast is appreciated by me and all those who are part of putting this together. So thanks for being a part of it and joining with us today. Threw a little a curveball at you because we're in this um, series of episodes on comebacks. And then I I threw in last week a message and I didn't announce it previously because it kind of happened at the last minute. So let me give a quick explanation about what took place. I had done a a message at the church that I founded and pastored for 27 years called I Believe It. And there was a really huge response to it. And as we looked at ways for it to get out there so other people could hear it, uh, the pray people were talking to us about using it. But in the end, uh, that timeline probably wasn't fast enough. And so we decided to use the podcast as a way of getting the message out uh, the quickest way, audio version, the video version wasn't really up to snuff, so we couldn't put it on YouTube. So that's what happened. And I would strongly encourage you to listen to it because with everything that's going on, inflation and gas prices and shortages of different things and mortgage rates and crime and we just had an election and didn't unite us, it just further revealed divisions. There's so many things that are causing people to be anxious and fearful, and you really need to have some belief. And so I believe it is my response to all these things that are happening and what you can do that will really help you in, in, in a significant, significant way. And I would just really encourage you to to listen to that. So I believe it, which is the episode that came out before this one, just the week before. I hope that it will help you and be a great source of encouragement to you and uh, a source uh, really of comfort as you understand what you can do in, in a world that maybe you don't think that you can do things, but in fact you can to make uh, your life simpler and better. I also want to say that as we Enter in now, you know, to the holiday season. Next week is Thanksgiving and then we're on to Christmas and you're thinking about Christmas gifts and and what you could get for somebody. I just want to encourage you that my book, This Is Living, is a great book to give someone. It's $18 or less than that because Amazon will run sales periodically that you can pick up the book and uh, it's a very inexpensive, you know, under $20 gift, beautiful hardcover book, color inside, 100 uh, devotions or readings, meditations, whatever you want to call them. So even someone who's not a big reader, it's not a book that you read in that way. It's just a book you read three minutes at a time. So anybody can read for three minutes and they start their day with a simple little three minute reading and they do that for 100 days and they've read the book, but they didn't do it all at once. And for those who are readers and want uh, encouragement, inspiration, this is it. For those of you that really want to get your mind right and you want, uh, you're, again, fearful, bad attitude, negativity, uh, whatever it is, this is the book that can help with all of that. It would be a great gift to give to anyone 
in your family, your friends, coworkers, people that you think could use a little boost or, or, or want a morning routine, you know, that in, includes something like this. Just it literally will take you like three minutes to read each each day. And there's a hundred of them. So this is living daily inspiration to live your faith and you can get it on Amazon. <clears throat> and I would encourage you to do that. I think it, it would make a great, great Christmas gift. All right, let's jump in. Today, we're going to talk about a health comeback. One of the greatest setbacks you can have in life is a health setback. You can get injured. You can get sick. You can be diagnosed with a disease. You can have a lengthy illness. I mean, these things will put you in a setback position. There's times when nothing you did caused the health problem or nothing you could have done would have avoided or prevented this setback. My mother lived a very full and healthy life and got cancer not once but twice. And the second time was pancreatic cancer and it took her life. My youngest son was a college football star, never got seriously injured playing football and then tore his ACL in a basketball game. So, you know, these things happen. I've had terrible bouts with both gallstones and kidney stones, neither of which I could have done anything to prevent. Although I will say I take two tablespoons of lemon juice every single day ever since I had the kidney stones and I've never had another one. So that is good news. But so these things can happen. On the other hand, the Center for Disease Control tells us that over the last 50 years, the average American woman has gone from 136 to 166 pounds. And the average man has gone from 165 pounds to 195 pounds. And that's an incredible increase, a 30-pound increase for both men and women. Extra weight is the cause of many, many health problems. And that is an absolute fact. Now, I have to tell you, I read something recently that just really, really shocked me. This is a column with Dr. Roach in which someone was asking them about weight loss and all this stuff. And he said, I um, try to base my recommendations on evidence when possible. Let me just back up and say that. I don't want to read the whole question, but I'm still curious about the actual health effects of not losing weight or why you said it wasn't necessary to lose weight. Okay, so that's the background to this. He says, I try to base my recommendations on evidence. That's a good idea, Dr. Roach. And the evidence is pretty strong that being overweight does not increase a person's overall risk of death. While this area remains controversial, you think the most recent data suggests that BMI in the overweight range is not a significant harm and some studies may have an improved mortality rate compared with those who are in the normal range. All right, under BMI, puts in parentheses, the body mass index is flawed but widely used way of adjusting weight for a person's height. Then he goes on to say, however, people who are obese have a clear worsening in mortality risk. So let's just pause here for a moment. I've read this over like 10 times to try to understand why a guy whose email is at med.cornell.edu, does that mean he's at the Cornell Medical Center, to your good health is the name of the column 
and the address is in Orlando, Florida. Why someone would ever in the medical field write such a bizarre answer to this question? I it just I've read it over and over again because it's absolutely not correct. And he says he wants to base it on evidence. And I am a researcher with two graduate research degrees, but I am not a medical doctor. But I find this impossible to believe what he's saying. So I've read it over, read it over, tried to understand what is this Dr. Roach saying? So a few things. One, I think he is hung up on the BMI. And let me just say, I'm actually in agreement with him on that. I happen to be a guy who is out of whack on the BMI because I am a person who's very large and heavily muscular, but I'm not tall. So even like when I've had like these life insurance exams, they have to prove by my waist versus my chest size and by the size of my biceps and all these shoulders to prove to the people that I am in excellent health. It's just that because I'm large and muscle is twice as heavy as fat, blah, blah, blah. So I get it. I get what he's saying there about the BMI. And to the extent that he was solely talking about BMI, I could actually be with him on that. But what I think is so dangerous is that if he was giving this answer in person, like on radio or on television, where he could explain the nuances, it would be much better. But in the paper, the way it reads with words, it's as if he's saying to people that are overweight, you're fine. The second thing is the idea of mortality as opposed to just quality of life. The difference, and maybe he's trying to parse the difference between the two, as if, well, you won't die any earlier But what about your quality of life? I always tell this story about the time I had two eight-pound bags of ice that I was picking up for an event, and I threw one on each of my shoulders, and I went into what's supposed to be that quick line with only a few items, and it was like the super slow line. And I stood there minute after minute with those two bags of ice on either side of my shoulder. Now, I have really big shoulders, and I have... Again, you know, I don't want to go on and on about it here, but plenty of strength. So 16 pounds. But I was amazed at how that wore on me as I just stood there minute after minute. And then when I finally got up there and tossed those bags off of my shoulders to have them uh, scan so I could pay for them, the difference that it felt, that extra 16 pounds, carrying around that extra 16 pounds, imagine every single second, every single minute, every single hour of every single day. And we could go on and on about the the effects that weight has on, on your joints, on your energy, on your sleep. And then we could get into all the quality of life issues like diabetes and cancer and heart disease. I am just blown away by this. But again, I can only think that he's talking about BMI without having more room to explain himself better and then somehow parsing the difference between mortality and just quality of life as if the focus is just on mortality and it shouldn't be on quality life. And Dr. Roach, if you hear this, I'd love to talk with you about this because I think you've done a great disservice to people by seemingly telling them that somehow being overweight is not a problem as, as long as you don't get obese. All right. Well, how about that? Come off of my soapbox and I I will. Okay, back to wait. There's only two countries in the world, Tonga and Micronesia, and they're both islands in the Pacific with some very large people. 
There's Tongans that play in the NFL and they almost exclusively play on the line because they are very large people. Those are the only people in the world that are heavier than Americans. We are the third heaviest people in the world. The average American is 33 pounds heavier than the average Frenchman. The average American is 40 pounds heavier than the average Japanese person. What is going on? We're eating too much. We're eating the wrong things and we're not exercising enough. I mean, that's that's it. There's just no other way around it to get around it. So there are things that can happen to you, as I said, that have nothing to do with you that cause a health setback. And there are things that are very much within your control. So we've got to be able to take these things seriously. From a perspective of the Bible, it tells us that, that that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's really something like, wow. God has an opinion about it. People who are healthy have less health setbacks. People who can do what they want because of good health are happier people. That's just an absolute total fact. I've traveled all around the world. I can't tell you the times we've been in these incredible places and people cannot go to certain things and visit certain things because they cannot physically do it. And they're missing out on having these incredible experiences because many of these ancient places that I've been to in in areas of the world like Greece or Italy or Turkey are places that, you know, they're they're not modern built, so they're not easy to get around. So it is just really important for us to be able to live healthy. Now, you know, you may say, well, Rick, what are your qualifications? Well, first of all, my mother was a dietitian, so I grew up with that. I was an athlete for years. So I have that. I've also never had a serious health problem. My that what I just told you, those kidney stones and gallstones, those are my most serious things. I've never spent a night in the hospital. I've maintained a healthy weight my entire life. I've been exercising my entire life. So listen, um, I'm not uh, I'm not saying I am someone whose field is health and fitness, but I've been around it a lot. I also want to say, by the way, that I do have a sweet tooth. So You know, I'm not here to say, you know, that I eat perfectly. I love hamburgers and steak, but I try to eat like one a month. That's what I try to do. I I love donuts. I think donuts are absolutely delicious. Again, I try to keep it to maybe once a month. So. I, it can be done for sure. You can eat healthy and not completely deny yourself of absolutely everything. So it's so important to be able to have good health and to make a health comeback from a health setback. Again, you know, I want to be fair and balanced here as far as this goes. I don't want to be on, you know, on one extreme. Fred DeLuca founded Subway, died in 2015. He was 67 years old. He died from leukemia. There were four, at the time, there were 44,000 subway locations. There were more subways than Starbucks, more subways than McDonald's. I mean, that's incredible. The guy died far too young. One of the greatest geniuses creatively ever is Steve Jobs. He died at 56 years old of cancer, right? I mean, unbelievable. So 
Mike, Michael Hammond, who, who was the co-founder of Gateway Computers. And, you know, you don't hear much about Gateway anymore, but in the early days of computers, they were huge. He died at 53. So you can, you know, health is not guaranteed, but we need to do everything we can that's within our power to take care of our bodies. The British Medical Journal says that if you'll be physically active, you can add 5.4 years to your life. I mean, physical activity adds over five years. We've become too sedentary and it's not good for us. It's just something that we just have to make changes that need to be made. Parade Magazine said that people are eating more yogurt, hummus, fresh fruit, healthy snack bars, and, and that is good. People are eating less cake and steak and drinking less soft drinks, eating less corn. So these are good things. You know, these, these are good things. There's no doubt that at the end of the day, you know, it does come down to knowing what you're putting in your body. I'll never forget years ago, I was out in San Francisco and back then, the in California, they had passed a law requiring calorie counts. That wasn't the case where I lived in Virginia or, frankly, other places that I would visit in America. That just wasn't the case. But it was it was the case in in, in California. Now, that's changed to where that happens a lot more. But but back then, so I'm at a cheesecake factory. And there are all of the calorie counts for every single item. There was a, a, a slice of cheesecake that I liked was 1,300 calories just for a slice of a cheesecake. I mean, holy smokes. So it's helpful to go to these places and look. I do it. I just look, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to. It's just I may want that, but that's just too many calories to to, to take in. It's just going to put me over over the limit for the day. Now, it's interesting in that parade article I was talking about earlier, they they showed how calorie counts on menus have a bigger impact on women than men. 42% of women said knowing a calorie count would make them order a healthier meal. Only 29% of men said the same thing. So, you know, here's another example of example a million of why men and women are so different and men are from Mars, women are from Venus and that will never change. And the divergence, my, my, my goodness, uh, I always tell this one, a single woman changes the sheets on her bed every two and a half weeks. A single guy changes the sheets on his bed every three months. I mean, that's only four times a year for a single guy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So women care more. Well, if you're a man, you, you need to care more about those calorie counts. Take responsibility for your health. You've got to take personal responsibility. If you're going to have a health comeback, you must take responsibility for your physical well-being. Cooper Institute in Dallas did a study and showed people who quit smoking by age 40 gained nearly 10 years of their life over those who didn't. So even if you start, you know, at 40, middle age, start exercising in middle age, you'll be healthier as you go into old age or older age. You can start a health comeback right now. The second half of your life can be healthier than the first half. It can happen. 
My alma mater, Duke University, did a study and reported physically active older people experience less brain shrinkage than sedentary ones, even those who engage in mentally stimulating activities. Isn't that amazing? The physical is actually more significant than the mental activities. Physical exercise is better for your brain than brain exercises. So it's so crucial that we take care of our bodies. We have to get enough sleep. Sleep is hugely important. The more you sleep, the healthier you are, the happier you are. What else? What can you do? Eliminate bad habits. Smoking's a bad habit. We, we all know that. I mean, the Surgeon General's come out and told you that. Drinking alcohol, what good does that do for your body? There's some evidence maybe a little bit of wine is okay. Other than that, certainly abusing alcohol. Oh, my goodness. It's done so many bad things to people's lives, it's not even funny. Of course, mental health is another part of it, being a healthy person. So dealing with mental health issues are hugely important. You need to, if you struggle with something like depression, seek out the right therapy that can help you. You don't have to be a depressed person. You can have a health comeback in your mental health not that depression is the only mental health issue. In the end, one of the most significant issues about a health comeback has to do what, with what they call visceral fat, which is excess belly fat. It nearly doubles a person's risk of premature death. Dr. Roach, you know this. This is again why I cannot believe that somebody would say, you know the visceral fat doubles the risk of heart disease, hypertension, stroke, and cancer. That's according to a European study of 360,000 people in nine countries. So what is visceral fat? It's the fat around your belly. It's the fat that surrounds all your vital organs. Visceral fat lies deep inside the abdomen. It surrounds the liver and the intestines. Dr. Joanne Manson from Boston Brigham and Women's Hospital says visceral fat acts as an active endocrine organ secreting hormones and chemicals that cause chronic inflammation throughout the body. It interferes with cell communication and drains into the liver. It affects liver metabolism and insulin resistance. This is it. This is how you end up with diabetes. There it is. The, the inflammation issue is huge. The less inflammation in your body, the healthier you will be. That is just an absolute fact. Visceral fat surrounds your major organs, secretes out the wrong kind of hormones, and makes you sick instead of well. This isn't about having a six-pack. This is about not having the kind of fat in excess in your body. So they say that a man's waist should never be more than 40 inches and a woman's waist should never be more than 34 inches. Anything larger and there's going to be visceral fat harming your body. So that's simple. I mean, that's just simple as it could be. What do you need to do? Measure your belly. See what it tells you. The number one way to get rid of visceral fat is aerobic exercise. Wake Forest did a study 
and found that people who solely dieted lost weight, but not belly fat. Cardio exercise burns calories and is the best practice to shrink visceral fat in your body. The fat has to go for you to have a health comeback. Now, is that all? Just your health? Well, come on. It helps your appearance. That makes you happier. You can wear more fashionable clothes. I mean, I know there is a movement now to try to make being overweight okay and put models out there and all the rest. And, and, and it's, uh, it's an, an incredible movement that is really very misguided. It's not helping people whatsoever. So it's important to be able to be healthy. And then, yes, it does allow you to wear the trim fit shirts if you're a man and the skinny jeans for a woman and whatever else. And, and you know, I don't think it's vanity to, to want to look your best. You just want to, you know, you want to be able to just uh, feel your best. I was in Florence and there's a tower there that has over 400 stairs. It's very narrow. I mean, really, for like, again, my big shoulders, man, it was it's narrow and it's old. And there was an overweight woman in front of me and she had absolutely the most terrible struggle and her kids wanted her to go faster. And I mean, it was it was scary. She stopped. She was winded. It, it mean, not good. Again, same thing on an airplane when you can't sit comfortably in an airplane. See, you know what that's like have to get an extender you you know you just feel absolutely just crunched in there so it's just it makes you feel better and it allows you to do more things and you will live longer dr roach there's no doubt about that at all the british journal of sports medicine says that aerobic exercise can delay or even reverse age-related brain decline, like, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia. The University of Kansas Medical Center found high levels of physical fitness have a positive effect on mental plasticity, which is the brain's capacity for growth and development. The brain can grow. It doesn't stop. Of course, healthy eating. You can't get around the eating part. It isn't just the exercise. And by the way, of course, Strength training, which has become much more popular, something I've been involved in my entire life since my early days of football and sports. Yes, strength training. And now they're telling older people to lift weights. And it's 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 fantastic It because you become a fat burning machine. The more the more muscle you have, the more you will burn fat even at rest. You will not only that, but obviously you become stronger and then your bones are stronger. So there's less chance of I've never had. Well, you know, like a nose and little bones in the hand, but no major bone in the body ever broken. And I mean, I've been into some serious collisions and situations, but you, you can you can strengthen your bones. And just again, the overall uh, Ability of what you can do physically is so much better if you lift weights. So weightlifting is enormously important as well as cardio. I mean, I don't have enough time to get in on tall, but again, just want to say, you know, look, there's a lot going on with food. You know, it's more than just that we like food. Some eat for comfort. Some are emotional eaters. 
to make them feel better. Some use food even as a means of exercising control over their life. They can't control anything else, so they'll control what they eat. They experience disappointments in life and feel too many things are beyond their control. Eating can be a distraction from reality. We're bored, so we eat to distract ourselves from the mundane nature of life. And, you know, some maybe believe that somehow bigger, heavy people, not big people, because big is about muscle, not, not about fat. But heavy people are jolly people, you know, and, and that sort of, you know, Santa Claus vision there. But listen, there's many foods you could eat and there's many foods you shouldn't eat. Eating right will always be a matter of planning and discipline. It takes effort to eat the right things. To eat healthier foods, to avoid high calorie foods. To eat smaller portions. I grew up with a little Italian mother who made pasta and had bread and dessert at every meal. I mean, bread and dessert at every meal. So I, you know, grew up playing sports. You burn a lot of calories, no big deal. But, you know, now it's different. Can't have pasta. If I, I I can't even believe how little pasta I eat now in my life, considering how much I ate in the early days of my life. And again, as I've gotten older, I have to change that as well. Got it. We've got to do it, friends. If you're going to have a health comeback, you know, you got to make some goals. Say, I'm, I'm going to have a health comeback. I'm going to make progress toward my goals. Going to get healthier. I'm going to live longer. My brain's going to work better. And the goals are a means to the end, you know, to help us where we want to get to. Nothing can have power over you unless you let it. Honor your body, you know, honor God with your body. How about today becomes the first day of your health comeback so that you can be as healthy and live as active a life as possible and live as long as possible. Launch that health setback today. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.